Are you looking to grow revenues, increase profitability, or obtain financing? If so, you came to the right place. Running a business is all about leadership. How do you become a better leader? Learn from the successful entrepreneurs and business owners how to lead your organization more effectively. That's why we created Leadership Live at 805, Talking Small Business, to help you succeed with your host, Andrew Frazier, Business Growth Pro and CFO and founder of the Small Business Pro University. Every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern, we're joined by experienced entrepreneurs and business owners who share their secrets to success via live stream. Also, every Friday morning, we release a new podcast episode. Either way, you will learn about developing your business leadership skills from our roster of highly performing guest experts. Leadership Live is one of the many valuable resources provided through the Small Business Pro University, empowering business owners to learn, profit, and grow. Find out more at sbprou.com. Welcome to Leadership Live at 805. I'm your host, Andrew Frazier, and once again, we're here to share valuable information, knowledge, um, expertise, experience for entrepreneurs and small business owners. What I found is small business and the key to success in small business is about leadership. And developing your leadership skills is key to being able to be successful. So what we do here every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. on Leadership Live is we bring successful leaders in the small business space who can really talk to you um, and you can learn from about their leadership, about their expertise, about resources, about um, ideas, about uh, all different things that can help you in your business journey. So very excited this week. Um, this week we have Judith Sheff. She is the executive director of the New Jersey Commission on Science, Innovation, and Technology um, in conjunction with the New Jersey EDA. And today we're going to talk about accelerating economic development with technology. Uh, known Judith for many years, she's done a lot of great things for businesses throughout the state. She spent time at NJIT um, in their technology um, incubator and you know running different areas in that space and um, you know really a leader um, you know someone who's committed to the success of business and um, you know had the pleasure of spending time with her. She actually um, provided a great endorsement on book which was which I appreciated and you know having the opportunity to talk with her this evening so very excited look forward to chatting with her about um, business technology and startups and how they can be more successful in what she does so thanks Judith how are you doing this evening I'm doing great, great. As I said, I'm really delighted to be able to be here and chat with you. Looking forward to having a chance to talk. Uh, you know, a little bit more. You know, I think we were chatting, and you know, the pandemic has everybody down a little bit because you feel confined, confined. But you know, it looks like we're starting to see some daylight, and you know, hopefully things are, are turning around, which which will make things, you know, especially from business networking and relationship standpoint. Um, extremely valuable. So, 
it, we, one thing before we get started is we want to know a little bit about you. You know, where are you from? You know, what's your journey like? How did you get here? Thanks for that question. So I'm originally from Chicago and uh, grew up in the Midwest. And I started uh, really my business career at Bell Labs at uh, Naperville, Illinois. And I had the opportunity to then transfer from Illinois to to New Jersey and work in the manufacturing part of AT&T, work at Western Electric. And I did a lot of work in uh, strategic planning in the uh, semiconductor part of the business. And, and at the time I was doing a lot of international traveling. I was looking to help that piece of the business sell their product outside the US as well as develop some manufacturing relationships uh, with companies uh, like NEC in, um, in, in Japan and some other companies where we were moving manufacturing operations to, uh, to China, to Thailand and, uh, and Singapore. And then as AT&T started evolving and uh, got broken up through various consent decrees, it looked to me like that was the time to, um, to leave AT&T and I moved to, uh, to work at New Jersey Institute of Technology helping them manage intellectual property, working with uh, companies in their technology and life sciences, uh, business incubator, really helping help transform early stage inventions into, uh, into ideas. And then last January, just about six weeks before COVID hit, I had the opportunity to, uh, to join the Commission on Science, Innovation and Technology as the executive director and really get some of those programs uh, started. Governor Murphy reestablished the commission and I was just kind of getting in there, getting my feet wet, getting some of our programs started. And then I moved my office to my dining room table and my kitchen and my bedroom in my basement as, as sort of the command center for operations for the Commission on Science, Innovation and Technology. But we've continued to, you know, to really work with and support small businesses, you know, particularly innovation-based uh, life sciences and technology-based businesses during these challenging times. Great. Thanks, Judith. So you've been, you know, your journey has been around technology and science, and you've really seen you know, the evolution of really the digital age and, you know, a lot of things. Um, I think a lot of people have no idea how major AT&T was back in the day. But if you, you know, I remember AT&T did like everything. And, you know, they were, you know, probably the biggest company at the time, or if not, uh, if not the biggest company at the time, probably in the world. Um, and it was interesting how it broke broke up into many different pieces. Um, so talk about a little bit about, you know, AT&T, a little bit about how you saw it before the breakup and then kind of what the breakup did for technology because I, I think that's um, a driver of a lot of the technology that we that we have today and the entrepreneurship around it. Absolutely. So I, I think one of the things that, that was really important when I was working at AT&T was really understanding who was gonna ultimately use the product or service that you were building. And I was uh, 
I started working in the uh, in the switching system piece of the business, and so these are the large you know systems that help run the telecommunications network. And I had the opportunity to do a program where for three weeks they sent us around to visit the telephone companies and really talk to people who were running the day-to-day -day operations so that when you were back building your switch, writing software, trying to figure out how to really make the, the most effective systems, you'd have an understanding of what the end user was really looking for and what some of the challenges they had in their day-to-day -day operations. And one of the things that was really uh, kind of interesting, uh, Andrew, they told us the last day that we were there after visiting people for, you know, for three weeks and understanding how really the operating systems, you know, worked out what now is like a Verizon manages some of their operations. They told us we could do whatever we wanted to do on our last day. We could go back and we could visit whatever department uh, we'd like to visit. And I said, you know what I want to do? I said, I want to go to telephone pole climbing school because I think this is going to be my only opportunity to learn what it's like to be a line person to you know kind of get up on those on those telephone poles and really do some of the repair activity and they had school which you know which they let us uh, let us go to a couple of us from you know from the program uh, you know spent spent a morning trying to uh, learn how to climb a telephone pole and let me tell you you need a lot of upper body strength to be able to kind of hoist yourself up on you know up on those poles, but you have some real, uh, you know, understanding of the kind of work that people are doing when they're outside, which then feeds into requirements for building some of the outdoor, uh, you know, equipment to ensure that it's going to be easy to maintain for, uh, you know, for, for people who are outside. And I think one of the, you know, the other pieces that I learned at AT&T, you know, from a technology perspective, was the opportunity to really ask people, you know, questions. If you don't know something, ask, you know, walk around, figure out what other other people are doing. You know, don't just be in your own little world working on your on your own activities. Really join and, you know, find out what other people are doing and look for opportunities to to link and leverage capab capabilities to see how you can uh, move things forward. So that was always one of the uh, exciting things about uh, about AT&T. And back in the beginning when I joined, as you said, it was a really large company. So I always thought, well, no matter where I end up living, I'm always going to be able to work for AT&T because there's always an AT&T operation someplace in, the, uh, in every state in the United States. Of course, now it's a little bit different, but at the time that was uh, that was certainly a focus point. Okay, no, that's great. Telephone pole climbing school. Yep. Who knew? Yep. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think I'd have gone for that one because I'm not real keen on heights. But yeah. uh, oh, know. we would have a safety harness that you put on, and it's like good to well, go. Well, uh, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> but uh, but no, that's great. That's great. So you know, definitely, it's good to get a little bit. You know, understanding sort of your background, where you're coming from. Look forward to talking to you more about technology and business, and especially here in New Jersey. Uh, but before we get started into that, let's learn a little bit about you know what you're doing today. Um, you know, you mentioned um, you know fairly new role, and um, but tell us a little bit more about 
what um, you know what the commission does, uh, you know what types of programs you have, and and who you focus on. Sure. So the Commission on Science, Innovation, and Technology really has as its target small early stage startup companies that have some sort of innovation as the basis of what they're doing. It could be in the life sciences sector. It could be in the technology sector. It could be hardware, advanced materials, clean energy, but it's any type of a business that has innovation as a key component of what they're doing. And we wanna help really accelerate the pathways forward for these companies. So we have a number of different grant programs that we make available to these really small early stage companies as well as connections that we'd like to help facilitate to other pieces of the New Jersey ecosystem. One of the programs that we've started is an SBIR, STTR matching program. And the federal government runs these two programs, Small Business Innovation Research and Small Business Technology Transfer Grants to provide grants to companies who are developing innovation that the federal government believes that they need. So one of the great things about the SBIR and STTR program is that when you get this funding from the federal government, they're gonna give you a grant, which means unlike an angel investor or a venture capitalist, they're not taking a portion of equity in the small business. And unlike a loan, you don't have to pay it back. It's really a grant to go off and do some development work. The challenging point with these uh, with these grants is you have to find the solicitation that really matches what you're doing. So if you're an entrepreneur and you're working on uh, rehabilitation technologies, you might think, okay, this is probably something that the National Institutes of Health is going to be interested in because it's rehabilitation technologies. But if you kind of stop for a minute and think, well, who else might be interested? in this type of technology, you might say, you know what? I think the Veterans Administration might be interested in this type of technology because they've got a lot of veterans that they're you know, working with and you know, potentially would like to ensure that they, they get them all of the kinds of treatment that they need. So it could be that the Department of Defense or the Veterans Administration is also gonna be interested in your technology. So that when you think about who can help me you know, fund a project, there may be many multiple agencies who are helpful. And each of the agencies has some slightly different approaches for filling out the forms to apply for uh, apply for these grants. Uh, there's a resource, uh, a parallel resource through the uh, New Jersey Small Business Development Centers. Uh, their technology consultants there can help you with those activities as can uh, the New Jersey uh, Institute of Technology Procurement Technical Assistance Center can help with some of the registrations in the various systems. And my commission, if you get one of these grants from the federal government, we will basically do an add-on to that. So if you've gotten a grant from the federal government, you can then apply to my commission to get an extra amount of funding to be able to work on the same project uh, that you're already doing. We've uh, run two rounds of this SBIR, STTR uh, program, and we anticipate that we're gonna be starting a third round of uh, open solicitation once we enter the next uh, 
fiscal year, so probably in the uh, August, September timeframe, that uh, program solicitation will come out. For the first round of, of grants, one of the things that was really exciting, Andrew, was we had companies throughout the state of New Jersey from many, many different counties. They were located, were able to apply for and get grants from, from the commission. Probably we had a large number of, of companies that were in the life sciences space. And you know, clearly there's a lot of life sciences, med tech, drug development, digital health, that's being worked on, but there were also companies that are working in the clean energy, clean tech, advanced materials space, which leads into the second type of programs that we've been able to support. We've been able to receive some funding from the New Jersey Board of Public Utility to be able to run some programs where we're able to, again, give grants, see grants as well as uh, R&D vouchers for companies who are working in the clean tech, clean energy space, where they're developing some sort of technology to help reduce or mitigate greenhouse gases or criteria pollutants. The companies were able to apply to, uh, to our commission for funding of up to $75,000 to work on development programs. That particular solicitation closed uh, just a couple weeks ago and we're in the process of evaluating the, uh, the grant applications and we're hopeful that we'll get some additional funding to continue that program in the future. But we have an open program for companies to be able to apply for grants to work on, again, clean tech, clean energy. And if they're working in conjunction with a New Jersey university, our grant provides an offset or a cost share or a voucher so that instead of paying the full price of using the New Jersey University core lab facility, our voucher will offset the cost of it. If it's a company of less than 10 employees or less, it'll offset 75% uh, of the cost and the company will only have to pay 25%. If they've got more than uh, 10 employees, then it's a 50-50 uh, cost share. And if they've got more than 50 employees, then this particular program is not for them. Because again, we're really focused on those small, early stage companies that have really not as many opportunities to get resources to help them grow their businesses forward. We're also doing a lot of work along with the Office of the Secretary of Higher Education, trying to work with our younger entrepreneurs, our student entrepreneurs, and we're trying to help develop in conjunction with our New Jersey universities programs to help pull out technology that's being developed at the universities and get them into uh, you know, potential businesses because we do think we've got probably, uh, you know, the next Google is probably sitting someplace in one of our New Jersey universities. We've got great students across the board at all of our schools who are working on many, many fabulous inventions. And we just have to help them be able to take those ideas out of the lab into the marketplace. That's great. You know, definitely you guys are doing some great things. Um, you know, one thing that you, you mentioned that um, you know, I teach the access to capital class. And, um, you know, one of my favorite slides is, is, is this. Yeah. Um, but only, you know, but I do mention that only in certain cases, if you're doing research, um, there might be grants available for you. Um, but, you know, and, and other than COVID grants, yeah. there generally aren't that many. <laughs> um, so, but 
you know, talk a little bit about really what, you know, where you would need to be at to get a grant and, you know, how many companies are you talking about that you work with that, that may get grants? Sure. So um, we, in our first round of the SBIR, STTR program, we gave out uh, 14 awards uh, totaling uh, $375,000. In the second round of grant applications, we gave out 16 awards, and that was a total of $450,000. I think the one thing that is really important when you think about applying for some of these grants is that you have to read all you have to read all the instructions and you have to fill out the grant applications properly you need to spend the time writing your writing your application in a way that's going to be convincing to to the agency who's looking to give you the funding you know particularly on these federal programs they're going to have a, a panel of reviewers who are going to look at your technology development plan and and rate it, and, and they want to be sure that if they give you funding, that you've got some credible technology here that you haven't come up with an idea for a perpetual motion uh, type machine. But you don't have to have a lot of people. We've had uh, companies, we had one company uh, that was working on an educational technology that it was an individual. He was working as a sole proprietor. He had developed an educational uh, technology to help with uh, training uh, students in middle school and high school and some of the math techniques. And he was able to get the Federal Department of Education to give him uh, several hundred thousand dollars to further de the development of his activity. And then I was able to add on top of the funding that he got from the Department of Education, I was able to add additional funding on top of it. So you don't need to have more than potentially yourself, depending on, on the kind of uh, initiative uh, that you're working on. But you do have to, on grants, you know, read, read the instructions carefully, you know, fill things out, uh, you know, properly. And the other piece is to ask. It's, it's sometimes hard to believe, but you can actually call the program officers at the federal government who are responsible for the different programs. They're very much interested in increasing the pipeline of small businesses that are participating in their programs. They don't want it to be a closed club. They really want to be able to help the first time potential awardee. They want to be able to help individuals who haven't, uh, you know, potentially been very well represented in the, in the system so that you can find their phone numbers. You can call them up. Many of them, you know, similar Andrew to the kind of educational, uh, programs that you talked about through uh, through small business university that, that you're running. They've got online on-demand uh, video classes that you can take that talk about different elements of applying for the grant, grant process. But it's important, I think, on any type of grant, whether it's a grant from the federal government or whether you're potentially thinking you've got something where you might say, gosh, I think the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation ought to absolutely be interested uh, in my innovation to help bring clean drinking water to uh, to you know to perhaps places in India where they don't have quite as much uh, sanitation uh, facilities. Is you've got to make sure you're targeting things properly that you're going after 
sources that are interested and are passionate about the kind of activity that you're focused on. I'm sure you know, since you talked about the capital piece, certain investors like to invest in certain types of projects. Uh, an investor who might be very passionate about investing in a life sciences technology may have absolutely no interest in something that might be a social media app. Whereas perhaps somebody who is very much interested in enterprise software may have no interest in certain hardware capabilities. So it's important to do your homework and ensure that you're targeting and going after the right source of funds. Definitely, um, that's key. You know, one of the things in the Access to Capital course I teach is um, pray, you have to pray to access capital and P for prepare, R for research. And that's yeah. a big R. You got to research potential funders, what they fund, how much they fund. Um, so, and your organization can, can help with that, which yeah. is great. So now there's all kinds of businesses out there. How come technology businesses get focused on um, rather than other types of business? What is it about technology businesses that makes them special and different? Sure. So I, I think sometimes, and I really think that we've got a whole ecosystem of businesses. And I think almost every kind of business can have some element of technology associated with it. And sometimes I think the word that the investors are really interested is a word that you might have heard, Andrew, called gazelles. They're really looking for those businesses that have the opportunity to grow large, that they have the opportunity to create a lot of jobs. Some of the studies from the uh, Kauffman Foundation out in, uh, out in Kansas City, when they look at entrepreneurship and they look at at job creation is that we know that it's the young firms, the firms that are less than five years old, that tend to have the ability to create the most net new jobs within, uh, you know, within the United States. And so that we have this fascination with these fast-growing firms because we know they're the ones that are going to propel forward the opportunities uh, for us to be able to drive job growth and really kind of economic prosperity throughout the United States. But it doesn't necessarily have to be a deep technology type of innovation that could be something that's got a huge market that has the opportunity to grow and to be successful. There could be many types of, of different businesses that ultimately end up using pieces of technology to drive their business. And so if you think about it, you could be interested in fashion and you, you might say, okay, that's great. How do I use technology in fashion? Think about all of your supply chain activities. Think about you know the e-retail, the e-commerce aspects so that you can bring technology to almost any type of business that you think about. And in Unfortunately, as a result of COVID, many businesses uh, that hadn't thought about technology really needed to develop these online presence in order to be able to be found, to be able to, to reach out to their customers. And there were some earlier grants that the, not for my commission, but the Economic Development Authority had to really help small businesses 
create and get that online business presence so that they would be able during these challenging times to be able to reach out to uh, reach out to their customer base. Um, you mentioned gazelles. So um, we're going to talk a little bit more about gazelles and what they are. Um, we're going to take a quick break, but you know, you did highlight one thing that's key that a lot of people may not have known. Um, you know, it's common practice that, uh, or common knowledge that a lot of people is that small business is a driver of jobs within the country. And, you know, there was a big research project done on that, but their findings were actually a little bit incorrect. It was certain small businesses account for most of the job growth in the in the US and those generally are the technology and the high growth businesses. So we're going to talk a little bit more about them, uh, what they look like, how you can look at potentially, you know, building your business in that way to grow. But before that, we're going to take a look at the Masterpreneur Playbook. It's a five step business growth plan that can take you from startup to scaling. The best sports teams have a proven playbook. Everyone should have one. We've got one for you because there are so many things you need to know as a business owner. Many business owners work longer and harder for less money than if they had a job because they are on the wrong path. Break that cycle with the Masterpreneur Playbook, a five-step business growth plan that addresses the challenges that business owners face going from working in their business to working on their business. Hello, my name is Andrew Frazier, a business growth pro and CFO. The Masterpreneur Playbook incorporates proven strategies for successfully growing your business that I discovered during my personal journey. Is there any reason you wouldn't want to accelerate the growth of your business, make more money, and have more free time? Of course you would. Don't hesitate. Visit www.sbprou.com to download a complimentary copy of the Masterpreneur Playbook today. Welcome back to Leadership Live at 805 Talking Small Business. Today we're talking to Judith Chef, and we're going to talk a little bit about gazelles, what they are, um, not the gazelles in the wildlife, but business gazelles and, um, you know, why they're so important and, you know, how they get financed. So, Judith, so tell us a little bit more, you know, what is a gazelle and, you know, what are their characteristics of companies that are considered gazelle? So gazelle companies are ones whose revenue tends to grow 20% uh, year over year over an extended period of time. So gazelles are these sort of fast growing business operations. And so some of the things that when you think about a characteristic of some of these kinds of businesses is that they tend to operate fairly quickly. They've got the agility to react to different, uh, different types of market conditions. And they're very attuned to understanding what their customer segments are. One of the things that uh, your your listeners you know may have known about is uh, something called a business model canvas. In the old days, you know people would write a business plan, and you'd have this big hunking document that might be multiple binders that would sort of sit on the shelf, and you'd say, "Okay, this is this is my business plan. This is this is where I'm going." You know, sort of the great you know the great novel business plan, and we don't really think about developing a business plan in that way anymore. We really think about having 
a business model, which is really looking at an understanding of starting from who are your customers. If you've got some sort of an innovation, a product, an idea of something that you that you want to uh, get out into the marketplace, you know, the first thing you need to ask yourself is who are the customers? Who's going to buy it? And when we talk about who's going to buy it, we don't want an answer that says IBM is going to be interested in this or uh, Starbucks is going to be interested in that. You really want to know who in each of those businesses is the likely person who's going to be interested in purchasing your product or service so that you know that you've got a target. Perhaps it's a procurement manager in a particular company. Perhaps you need to be able to get someone who's involved in a development activity is going to want to be your specific customer. Or if it's if you think a hospital is going to be interested in purchasing in purchasing this, you need to know like who at the hospital is going to be driving that purchase decision. Is it someone from the purchasing department or is it the physician who's going to be interested in having that particular uh tool that you've developed that particular medical device available when they're in the operating theater. So it's important to know who your customers are and to be able to go talk to them to be sure that your solution is solving problems that they have, that it's not just, oh, this is a nice, a nice to have an interesting thing, but it's really something it's that is a must to have. And so that as these gazelle companies are willing to go out there talking to their potential customers, they're understanding what their needs are, and they're bringing that feedback back into the business enterprise to make changes to their plans, shifting, if necessary, abandoning ideas. You know, sometimes we talk about, you know, kind of failing fast, but it's really to be able to incorporate knowledge so that you can move forward in a really quick, quick type of notion. And that you're also able to understand how are you going to be able to make money so that because at the end of the day, you need to be able to be profitable as a business enterprise. So you need to know how am I going to be able to take this wonderful idea, bring it to my customers, satisfy needs that they have and do it in a way that's profitable so that you need to then understand the elements of your supply chain. You need to be able to know how am I going to get the elements, the raw material or the sock, you know, whatever it is that goes into whatever you're bringing forward so that you really kind of understand and you've got these pieces working together and that you can really lay it out on what, again, what's called a, a business model canvas. And if your your listeners just kind of do a quick, uh, you know, web search for that. They can find, you know, downloadable versions that they can write on. And sometimes, you know, people will just put little sticky notes on it to help guide their uh, guide their directions as they're putting their plans, uh, their plans together. And that's what's going to be interesting to an investor, because an investor at the end of the day wants to know who's your team and how are you going to make money and how is this business model really going to be efficient and effective. And so that can be a really great way of, of pulling your whole story together. Okay. No, that's great. So, you know, we're talking about high growth companies. We're talking about, you know, technology and, you know, this is the space where you have venture capital and private equity as well. And, you know, a lot of business are like, Oh, I want to get, you know, venture capital. 
I'm going to get private equity. But, you know, you're talking a lot of these businesses are one in a thousand businesses. Like you talked about grants for 13 in the state of New Jersey. So, you know, every business isn't able to do this and every business isn't this type of business. It doesn't mean that your business isn't important and valuable. It's just the category and the type of potential uh, of where your business um, could and plans to go. So talk a little bit about private equity, venture capital, a little bit how that works, what um, you know, what type of companies uh, would it would make sense for and what type of companies and businesses they look for. So I think really, um, again, you know, the angel, angel investing and venture capital investing is they're looking to be able to get a big return on their money. They sometimes talk about wanting to get a 10x return on their investment. And you might say, well, where did the number, you know, 10x happen to come from? It's because when they think about a portfolio of investments that they have, it's not that they're investing all of their money in just one type of, you know, one business, but they've got their 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 money spread over a series of different uh, different businesses. And they know because they're investing very early in the uh, development cycle of these businesses, you know, where there's still a lot of risk and it could be risk from a market perspective. It could be regulatory risk associated with some of the uh, products and services that a company is looking to bring to market. It could be uh, a number of different risks in terms of the development activity. They know that some of the businesses that they invest in, there's some number of them that after a period of time, they're just going to fail for, for a variety of reasons. And then there's going to be some that are sort of in the middle where they're kind of doing okay. They're not doing super spectacular, but, but they're doing okay. And then you've got a few that are really doing phenomenally well. And sort of, so when you average all of that out, you're able to, to get your 10x kind of return. And the angel investors typically like to invest very early on, you know, when the businesses are just getting started. An angel investor may not require that you've gotten really much traction yet. You know, and many times the angel investors are looking to give back. They may be successful, uh, you know, businessmen and women who are really interested in helping really kind of pull up the next generation of, uh, of entrepreneurs. And so they want to invest very early on. And one of the things that they like to do is really coach and, and be somewhat of a hands-on investor. So it's not just, oh, I'm getting this money and then I'm never going to see them again. You really want to be able to leverage the connections and advice that you're going to be able to get from both your angel and VC investors. Angels are typically investing their own money. So it's again, you know, successful, you know, business uh, women, businessmen who are kind of reaching into their pockets and saying, this is, this is how I'm going to be, you know, making money. So I'm, I'm willing to invest in these early stage uh, companies. You know, for your listeners, uh, you know, to know the state of New Jersey has been very involved with an organization known as Golden Seeds, which uh, invests in businesses that have women in one of the top C-level positions. Because, again, we unfortunately have situations where not as many women as 
as men and certainly not as many minorities, particularly, you know, black and brown minorities are, uh, are able to get uh, venture funding. And so the state of New Jersey, the Economic Development Authority helped bring a chapter of this investment group, uh, Golden Seeds, to set up in New Jersey to really help women who are running these technology potential businesses get an opportunity to pitch to investors. And one of the things that they do, which is really very helpful to the businesses, and, and I know everybody wants that money, everybody wants the check. And I always would advise people, you're not gonna get a check the first time you meet someone, but you are gonna get an opportunity to have a meeting, to have an office hours, to have some mentoring conversations where they can help guide you to better develop your, your business plans, your business proposals, how you're able to talk about what you're doing, help make some additional uh, connections for you. Because again, it's very important uh, to be able to know how do I make connections? I had a, an opportunity uh, last week, I was talking to uh, some faculty at, at, at one university and they were working in an area of, uh, of autism and they were using some vision uh, technology to be able to uh, help determine with young children whether or not they, uh, they may be potentially uh, autistic. And I said, you know, this is really very interesting what you're talking about. And I said, I know some other researchers at NJIT who, who also do a lot of work on on vision related research. And it turns out, you know, this is for slightly older children and adults and concussions, but I was able to make that connection. So you always wanna be able to look for where are their connections, where are their opportunities? And so you want your investors, your angel investors, your venture capital investors to be able to help, to be kind of smart money for you to help bring some connections for you now, venture capital. You know, sort of the difference from from angel investors is that the venture capitalist is, is has gone out and has raised a fund of money, has raised other people's money that they are putting to use. And so, you may uh, you know find individuals who are putting money into these VC funds because they know the venture capitalist is going to be pursuing and you know, looking and screening a lot of different. Uh, business opportunities and they'll have a, a chance to really ride ride out some of those uh, you know some of those coattails and those venture capitalists look at many 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 business plans so it's important that when you're talking you're able to get a quick elevator pitch in when you're talking to investors and part of the reason is you want to be able to quickly figure out is this the right investor for me are they interested in the type of business that I'm working on, the type of market that I'm focused on. And you wanna be able to have that conversation relatively quickly and in just really a couple of minutes. And if it turns out they're not the right people for you, you then wanna really kind of follow that up with a question, say, you know, thank you for spending time talking with me. Do you happen to know an investor in the clean tech space that might be interested in the kind of projects that I'm doing? Or do you happen to know someone who's involved in healthcare because I'm looking to be able to find an investor in the healthcare market and I'm able, or I'm also interested in looking for connections to uh, beta test out my new product software. So you need to be able to very crisply and neatly ask what you're looking for so that both you and 
investors that you're talking to can figure out if there's a good fit and we want to go forward and we want to have a more in-depth conversation or you know what this is not a good fit on this perspective but maybe you want to have a conversation with them about something else about books that you've read or where you want to go on vacation once we all start uh, traveling again after we've all gotten our uh, covid vaccines great um you know definitely angel investors um private equity venture capital are very you know aren't very well known by a lot of business owners but you know they see it as like the golden um you know the golden chalice of what they want to get and um you know definitely it's great if you can get it but there's not a lot of companies that can um you know you mentioned the research part um you know a lot of the angel investors invest you know people invest in what they know and understand so you got to find you know people venture or angel investors in that space and what i found out you probably found also is you know a lot of venture or a lot of angel investors are from the medical professions and they like to invest in medical type technology so you know if you have a medical type technology you know connecting with doctors on uh, you know the target market um as a potential funding source can work and um you know vc is a whole different animal usually you know they're trying to invest in the millions and you know if you wanted to be an entrepreneur or business owner because you didn't want a boss i would say vc is like the worst boss you could ever have <laughs> <laughs> Big <laughs> yeah, so you know, keep that in mind as well. Um, but you know, definitely viable and good things to to look at. So, you know, we've been talking and, about, and I, and I really want to say it's important when you're talking about your business to be able to do it in a way that is going to make it memorable for people that you're talking to to help you make connections. So, I love to make connections. For people so if i can you know sort of quickly know in a couple of words what you're doing that then allows me to make you know connections easily one of my you know what one of my good friends is working on uh software for small community banks to help them automate the uh, back-end processes and so again her target market is smaller banks and she's doing some kind of software that helps them automate so that they can be more effective. That's all I need to know about her business. I don't need to know how they develop it. And I don't need to know how many lines of code. I don't need to know any of that stuff. But because I know I've got a friend who's working in banking, when I talk to people, when I meet people who are with small community banks, I'm able to say, hey, I've got a connection that I'd like to introduce to you because I think perhaps they've got a solution that's going to help you solve your problem and then I get out of the way. So you need to be able as a business owner to know what you're looking for and to be able to really kind of have almost like those LinkedIn headlines for your business that is going to be able to make it easy for people to help make connections for you. That's great. Um, you know, we always talk about your success in business and in life um, comes down to your relationships at the end of the day and networking and building relationships is key. And, you know, as a business owner, uh, being able to communicate 
what you're doing and the value of what you're doing and who it helps makes all the difference in the world. But you got to create, you know, got to communicate it clearly and concisely. And, you know, one thing I put together in my book and talk about a lot is a 60 second commercial format. So, you know, in 60 seconds, you can, someone could tell you, um, what you really need to know to understand what's going on and just you know it's four part um series you know the first part is creating the need you know what is the problem the need want or desire that you're fulfilling for the customer because you know if they don't have that need then they don't need your solution and creating the need just helps them you know think about is this a challenge i'm having and if it is, then they're going to be more interested. If they're not, they're not going to be interested, but they never would have. And, um, you know, then what's your solution is then, you know, giving a example so people can see, uh, you know, really visualize themselves benefiting from your solution. And then, you know, soft close in terms of, you know, where you go from there. And in 60 seconds, you can know whether someone is interested but even if they're not they can understand what you do so if they run into someone who's interested they can remember you (laughs) and they can you know be able to understand what you said and share it um you know so your communications is key um so how do you like when you're talking to people about businesses um what are some things that you find are helpful or good communicators? And what are some things that you should never do when you're talking about your business? I think when, you, when you're talking about your business, it's important to be able to have that sort of quick, what is it that you that you do as a business? Whether you've got a coffee shop or you've developed a, a technology that's going to help people reduce the amount of energy consumption in their homes, you need to be able to have that really quick, almost five second intro to what your particular business is. And then when I talk to business owners, I'm sort of interested in understanding what kind of traction they currently have in the marketplace, where as well as where they're currently at from a development standpoint. So I can figure out on that scheme of things where they might best fit in. I know some of the uh, investors that we talk to and some of the programs that even the New Jersey Economic Development Authority has, if you don't have any revenue traction, you're not going to be at a point where you're going to be eligible for talking to those particular funding sources. So it's important for me, I like to understand, you know, like, where are you on your journey from getting from your idea into the marketplace. Are you at the early development stages? You know, that will tell us maybe there's some other resources that we'd like to see if we can connect you to, um, you know, whether it's working with university students, there's some programs sometimes from the New Jersey Department of Labor where they're looking to provide apprenticeship grants that might be appropriate, or are you further along? So depending on where you are on the development journey, that helps us helps me slot you into the kinds of resources that might be useful uh, to, you know, to know where I can help say, these will be the people who are going to be able to uh, able to best help you make that next step. 
as well as understanding besides money, what are some of the other kinds of things that would be helpful to you as a business? And how can you, on the flip side, you should always, you know, many times people will say to me, and how can I help you? What are the things that I'm willing to do that you're willing to do as a business to help, uh, you know, to help other people? So, you know, knowing that those gives and asks are really a two-way street when you're having a conversation. Excellent. So very important things to, to keep in mind. Uh, you know, we covered a lot of things, but what do you think is the most important things that people should take away this evening? I think, uh, you know, a, a couple of things, Andrew, I would really like to circle back on. One is connections, build connections, build your network and do it in really a genuine way where you are both asking for what you need, but also willing to help others in that relationship because you never know who's going to be able to help you. And sometimes it might not be your first order connection, but it might be somebody who's two orders down in the connection stream. The other piece is really learning and lifelong learning is critically important. Some of the skill sets, you know, from a technology perspective, uh, wasn't even developed when, when you and I were going to school. Who knew that you had to know how to do all of these social media kinds of things to get the word out about your business and, and to stay informed. And so you have to be open and continuously learning and whether it's a new technology skill or whether it's a new way to operate, uh, operate your business. And, you know, certainly through, through the small business university, there's certainly lots of options to be able to, to get some of that additional knowledge and, and to ask questions and to really be part of a thriving and vibrant uh, ecosystem that we have here in New Jersey. Okay, great, Judith. Thanks. Um, definitely appreciate um, the opportunity to have you on here for you to share this expertise. Um, you know, connections, continuous learning, you know, those are the keys to success of not just technology business, but any business owner. Um, so, you know, thanks for what you do, you know, helping, you know, New Jersey in terms of growing tech companies and, um, you know, look forward to continuing to talk to you, but thank you once again for joining in this evening. And thank you for having me, Andrew. It's been a real delight. Thanks again for joining us once again for Leadership Live at 8.05. Uh, definitely make sure that at the end of the day, the most important thing to keep in mind is the more you know, the faster you grow. Thank you for listening to Leadership Live at 8.05, Talking Small Business. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Leadership Live is one of the many valuable resources provided through the Small Business Pro University, empowering business owners to learn, profit, and grow. Find out more at sbprou.com.